But Dustin, there will be almost a thousand girls there. With those words, my mom convinced 16-year-old Dustin to go to a Christian conference that I had been resisting for years called Christ in Youth. That would be a life-changing week for me, not because of a girl I met, but because of a calling that I would receive. I suspect my mom saw it coming all along, because that's kind of what moms do, isn't it? It was a great week, really, in addition to the weekly or the nightly sessions where we had great speakers, we had great things happening throughout the day, a lot of fun. Uh, it was going to be memorable and life-changing anyway, even if Thursday night didn't happen. But Thursday night did happen. And it was that night when a man in his 40s named Robin Sigers got up and spoke. He looked tired and weak because he was. He explained to us that his wife, who was on stage leading worship that night, was in the late stages of cancer. This might be one of the last times she ever helped lead worship. There was nothing else they could do for her. And in his brokenness, he didn't even know what to speak on. And so he simply opened up his Bible to Matthew 14. And this story is one that helped me understand what taking a step of faith was all about. That night he talked about stepping out of a boat, but he might as well have been talking about letting go of a trapeze. And last week we began this series called Between Trapezes, which is about being up in the air with nothing to hold on to, which I think we can all identify with in this difficult season in the life of our country, as well as in our church. And it's based on this quote from Marilyn Ferguson that says, it's not so much that we're afraid of change or so in love with the old ways, but it's that place in between that we fear. It's like being between trapezes it's Linus when his blanket is in the dryer. There's just nothing to hold on to. And last week we took a look at how Jesus calmed the storm. But the real issue wasn't the storm. The real issue was that the disciples lacked faith. Remember, Jesus didn't only rebuke the storm. He also rebuked the disciples. And we have to ask ourselves the question in the midst of the storm, not only are we asking Jesus, will you calm the storm, but Jesus, will you rebuke me in the midst of the storm? Will you help me to see the things that I need to let go of in my life? Will you help me to see the areas where I am weak? And at the end of the story, the disciples ask this question, that remained unanswered in the story that was, who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? And the question for us, of course, was, will we focus on the storm or the Savior? That sea story was about identity. 
It was about, do you believe that Jesus is God's son or not? Today's story we're going to look at takes it to the next level, though. Because if that was about identity and understanding that Jesus is God's son, this story is about invitation. If you believe that Jesus is God's son, then will you respond to the invitations that he gives you in your life? And so this story builds off of that. And we're going to ask you, we're going to give you three, what I call, inter-trapeze invitations this morning. Are you ready for that? Three invitations that you receive when you're up in the air with nothing to hold on to. Because when you're up in the air with nothing to hold on to, you're looking for more questions to answer, of course. But here's a little bit of background on this text. We'll be in Matthew 14 today, but here's what has happened. John the Baptist just died. He didn't die of old age. He died of decapitation, if you remember correctly. King Herod, it was a whole fiasco I won't go into, but literally had him decapitated, beheaded. Jesus is grieving, partially because this is his cousin, but also because he understands that a similar fate awaits him. Not decapitation, but crucifixion. And so Jesus gets away in a boat. But literally as he's trying to get away on his boat, the, the crowds just shift to the other side of the lake to meet him there. If you can imagine this heavy foot traffic, they didn't exactly have buses or trams or cars back then. People running around to the other side of the lake because they wanted to be around Jesus so badly. And so Jesus shows up on the shore and they have this huge crowd there where he of course teaches them and then they get hungry. And so Jesus being a good host decides to take five loaves of bread and two fish and feeds more than 5,000. That's 5,000 men. Probably more like 15,000 people total with them. And afterwards, Jesus sends his disciples away on a boat while he dismisses the crowd. I want you to put yourself in the place of the disciples. They too had heard that John the Baptist had been beheaded. They knew that anybody connected with Jesus was now in danger. And yet, they just saw Jesus perform one of his greatest miracles. Literally in their hands as the five loaves of bread and two fish were split between them and they just kept handing out more food. Can you imagine a miracle happening literally right in your very own hands? What do you think the conversation on the boat was that night? Do you think they were really talking about the weather that night? They were talking... I, I would almost guarantee they were talking about, is this worth it? John the Baptist just lost his head. What's going to happen to us? Yeah, but did you just see what Jesus did? Like, even if we die, what a way to go. And so in the midst of all of this is where we pick up the story in Matthew 14, starting in verse 22. 
It says, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. Whenever we see this word immediately repeated in here, which we'll see in today's story, this is to add emphasis not only upon the story, but it's also to create a sense of urgency within us as the reader or the hearers. And I want to let you know today that as we talk about this, there should be a sense of urgency in your heart as well. God's word is not something that we say, you know, that's great, I'm going to put it off for a few more years. God's word is something that when it speaks, we should respond immediately. So Jesus dismisses the crowd, and in verse 23, after dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Well into the night, he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat was already some distance from land, battered by the waves because the wind was against them. So the disciples are tired, right? They've been feeding 5,000 people. They have this sense, almost a sense of like an emotional high because of what they've been through, this spiritual experience of feeding the 5,000. But then, you know, that always comes almost like a crash after that. And here they are struggling against the waves. And it says in verse 25, Jesus came towards them, not in a separate boat. He came towards them walking on the sea very early in the morning. Because if you're Jesus, that's how you do it, I guess, right? When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. They were probably thinking, we haven't gotten much sleep. Are we hallucinating? And it says that they said, it's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Now, both of these stories that we've looked at, last week and this week, it winds up with the disciples being terrified. Last week, it says they were terrified when Jesus calmed the storm because they knew this was no ordinary man that they were around. This week, it says that they were terrified because it looks like it was a ghost. And immediately, again, there's that word again, immediately, Jesus spoke to them, have courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Of course, this is the most repeated command in Scripture. And do you know that almost every time that do not be afraid is used in Scripture, it's when they already are afraid? Maybe Jesus wants to speak to you today, and you're already afraid. That's okay. We're humans. That's what happens. But he's God, and he calms the seas. And so it says, uh, Lord, in verse 28, if it's you, Peter answered him. I love how the author here, the writer, answers this. Peter answered him after Peter already speaks up, as if you didn't already know it was Peter speaking up. Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, command me to walk, come to you on the water. He said, come. And climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came towards Jesus. Can you picture what this was like? Lord, if it's you, come. Like, did Peter like, kind of like put one hand on the edge of the boat? 
And, like, and you know, kind of, you know, they, they, had, they wore those cloak things, you know, pull up his cloak a little bit. You know, did he take off his cloak in case it got wet? I mean, you know, and, 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 and he steps out of the boat. Do you, do you think he kind of like felt around a little bit in the water? Do you, do you think, he, wait a second, I can put my foot down on that. Or do you think he just like ran and like cannonballed in there like those videos where you see like them hitting the ice. They try to cannonball through the ice and like that's what it was like because he could walk on. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't understand. This defies the laws of physics and that's kind of the point, isn't it? But here's the deal. Jesus didn't come to Peter and say, yeah, here, take my hand. I'll help you out of the boat. Instead, Jesus, we don't know how far out he was. Let's say he was 50, 100 feet out. Jesus says, come. Because if Jesus comes and just takes us by the hand, it really doesn't require any faith at all, does it? But that's not how Jesus works. Jesus is no helicopter savior. He doesn't hover over us and help us take every step of faith the way that we would like him to. Instead, he stands back, fully knowing that he could come there and help us out of the boat, but fully knowing that wouldn't actually help us. Amen? And I'm just wondering, are you standing in the boat today saying, no, Jesus, why don't, why don't, why don't, you, why don't you just come a little closer? You know how it is as a parent when your kid's learning to walk? You know, they're, they're, they're like right here, and you're like, come on, come on. And, and, and like, you know, maybe for the first time you, you help them out, but, but what do you do as a parent? Come on, come on, come on, come on. And, and the little kid, they start running, they start running, and then what do they do? They face plant. If you're lucky, they don't break their nose. But they're kids, they're resilient. You know that falling is a part of walking, don't you? So here's what we see here. Inner trapeze invitation number one is to step through the fear that stands between you and Jesus. And you know as well as I do that the way that you overcome fear is not by waiting for the fear to go away, is it? You step through the fear by facing it head on and recognizing that your faith has to overcome it. Never once in my life has fear just simply gone away. And it won't in your life either. Here's the deal. Peter is the one who's willing to step out of the boat, and the disciples are the ones who are hanging there in the boat. I, I'm convinced, though, that, that we would rather have splinters in our seats than water on our feet. Right? We, we as human beings, rather than face that fear, we'd rather sit there in the boat and risk getting splinters back here where we're sitting at, as opposed to getting out and getting a little bit wet. And what we see in our culture today is that we are almost completely fear-based. The elections on this year, has anybody noticed? Watch all the ads from either side. All they are doing is stirring up fear. 
elect this candidate or else this will happen. It's fear-based because they know that it works. But here's the deal. God doesn't call us to be people of fear. He calls us to be brave. But I'm convinced that in our culture, God is not calling you to be brave by winning arguments with people on social media with different viewpoints. Because it doesn't work, does it? But I do believe that He's calling us to be brave by stepping across the internet and to meet and to listen to people who are different from us and to be brave by respecting them and to be brave by loving our enemies. Let me tell you something. Evangelism in today's world doesn't start with speaking. It starts with listening. Because listening is how you show someone in today's world, really in any time, but especially in today's world, that they are loved, that they matter if you listen to them. 1 John 4.18 says, Perfect love drives out all fear. Not some fear. All fear. And what we have in today's culture is many people responding out of fear rather than love. Let me just ask you to do something with me and with people in general, and that is to assume the best intentions out of people. If someone says something that's slightly offensive to you, just assume the best intentions. Now, if it happens over and over again, have a conversation. But in today's world, we like get a defensive up so quick rather than saying, no, I'm going to assume that this person who's speaking to me actually cares about me in some level. So, we see there the first step, and we'll go quicker through these last two. That inner beast invitation number one is to step through the fear that stands between you and Jesus. But just like that little child who comes running to you in face plants, what do you think happened to Simon Peter? In verse 30 it says, but when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid. But Jesus told him not to be afraid. He was afraid and began to sink. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And this is inner trapeze invitation number two. Rather than calling Simon Peter a failure here, I'm going to call him a success. Because inner trapeze invitation number two is fail into the arms of Jesus. And can I just be frank with you and tell you that if you take a step of faith for Jesus, the one thing I can guarantee is that you're going to fail at some point. Okay? Following Jesus is not an invitation to never fail again. Rather, it's an invitation to recognize you're going to follow Jesus and you're going to fail. But will you choose to fail into the arms of Jesus? Will you choose to call out to him and say, God, I'm in over my head. If you are going to fail, be one who fails by stepping out of the boat and walking on water and failing. Don't be someone who fails by sitting in the boat and getting splinters because you were too afraid to ever step out of the boat. And verse 31, immediately Jesus said, forget it, you're on your own, Simon Peter. Is that what your Bible says? Is that what your life says? That's not what it says here, is it? Immediately, Jesus reaches out his hand, caught hold of him. There's a trapeze image, isn't it? Reach out your hand and 
caught hold of him and said to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? It's okay if in your walk with God, Jesus scolds you a little bit. It's okay if he corrects you. When Jesus, when they got back into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. And that's the passage that I heard that night in 1995 when God tore at my heart. At the end of the message, by the time Robin wrapped up, I was in tears, and I don't go into tears very often, but when I do, it's the weepy, sobby, can't-catch-my-breath type. And I remember walking forward, and my youth minister was up front, Don Sword, wonderful man, not very tall, but strong. And I remember my six-foot-four-inch self, who was only like 185 pounds at the time, like just leaning on Don and, and holding on to him as I'm sobbing. Uh, and Don said, God's got such big plans for you. God's going to work through you in amazing ways. And that was the start. It wasn't the end. It was just the start. You see, just after, throughout that year, my friends knew that something had changed in me. My friends who weren't even Christians teased me and said, you know, you should really be a preacher when you grow up. And God was using some of those strange prophetic voices to instill in me. I went home from that conference and was asked to preach at my home church. It was a Sunday evening service, so there was only 400 people there. And I got up and I told this very story. And afterwards, the people who were there that night, seemingly every one of them lined up and they said, you know, you, sh you should really think about preaching. And then at the end of my senior year, just after I graduated, I had already signed on to go play basketball at a small Christian school where I could study whatever I wanted to study. We went on an inner city mission trip to Dallas. Mind you, I grew up in a town of 1,250 people. We showed up in Dallas that week. We worked in a housing unit where 59 of the 60 kids that we worked with did not have a father that lived with them. Everybody else was assigned two or three kids. I was assigned one. Do you want to guess why I only got one? <laughs> I got the kid who was beating everybody up on the bus on day one. His name was Devin. Throughout the course of that week, just simply investing in Devin, started to see a change in his character. Started to see someone who had a hard exterior but who was created in the image of God, just like you and I. And at the end of the week, as I stood there, I had already told God, yeah, God, I'll preach someday. God worked through that week to tell me, Dustin, I need you now. And I responded to that invitation to step out of that boat, or maybe you could say, to let go of that trapeze. And that brings us to inner trapeze invitation number three, which is from having an experience 
to being a disciple. And this is maybe the most difficult thing for all of us because the story doesn't end here with Peter, does it? We see that God used him to do many things very boldly from this experience and many other experiences that he had that led to some painful choices. But those painful choices are part of the reason we're gathered here today. If Peter doesn't step up after Jesus takes off, if you will, where would the church be? And I wonder if you need to take that step from an experience to being a true disciple today. Because at the end of the day, I know that we all love to have one more experience. But maybe Jesus is saying this is about more than just an experience. It's time for you to do more than just walk on water. It's time for you to share my word with others. It's time for you to step forward and to step out into your neighborhoods and to invite your friends to become a prayer warrior in ways that maybe you never thought was possible. So this final invitation is from having an experience to being a disciple. So what's your boat? What's the step God's calling you to take? I can promise you this. God is not calling you to just sit there and to get splinters. God is calling you to step out, even if it means getting your feet a little wet. And I promise you that you will fail. But an even greater promise I will make you is that when you fail, you will be caught. Father, we, um, we stand here in our collective boats today in the midst of the wind that our culture is blowing so strongly around us. And we recognize that you have not called us to sit and to be comfortable and to take our Dramamine in the midst of the waves. But that in the midst of all this, you call us to step out. God, you have not created us to be sitters, but to be steppers, even if that means we've got to walk on water. But we know we don't do that on our own. We know it because we do it because of you. And, and Lord, I, I, pray for, um, I pray for the person here today that has stepped and has got soaked and now feels a tremendous amount of guilt. I've been there. I pray, Lord, that you would remove that guilt, that you would help them to see that you caught them, that you are walking with them now, holding them. Lord, we recognize that it's because of you that we can step forward in faith, because you were the example for us by stepping down from heaven taking up your cross, that now we can take up our cross and follow you. May we truly be over to come, overcome the fear by stepping through it. 
And may you lay on each one of our hearts exactly what you want us to do today. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen.